0: You're a writer or an artist and you want to get your work out into the world. If you want to honour your creativity and finally stop hiding, this is the show for you. I'm your host Siobhan Jones and it's time to sound your bell. My guest today believes children's literature has the power to shape the future. Her second picture book, Vote for Me, uses a fun and familiar classroom election to explain preferential voting. We got to speak about her first book, Supernova, which is quite a different book. It's all about a little sister with a big secret. Okay, I won't keep my guest a secret any longer. I had so much fun speaking with children's author and educator, Chris Sacklier.
1: Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Siobhan. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I'm a cat person. I probably would be a dog person if I had a dog. (laughs) I do like dogs. But I have a cat and her name is Coco and she's a Burmese and she is gorgeous. Does she provide you with any writing inspiration? She likes to sit on my shoulder when I write. She also likes to sit on my page if I'm writing on a page. She'll go for the keyboard if I'm using a keyboard. But her favourite spot is on my shoulder when I'm writing. You know, I have
0: two Berman cats and I actually, that's something that I would love for one of them to do but potentially not the other one because he's quite a heavy cat. And Chris,
1: can you tell me when you started writing? I'd intended to go into um television, which I did end up doing. But I think I've always written stories since I was really young, but I didn't see myself as as an author or a writer of that in that sense. And it wasn't until I had my daughter, my second daughter, that I really, really got stuck into the writing for children and saw that as really what I wanted to do. Can you tell us a little bit about why you write? I think I'm compelled to do it. I have ideas coming through my brain all the time, but they're just little flashes. It's almost like if you look at a lake and you see flashes of sunlight on the water, then that's what's going on in my brain with ideas. And it's always been like that. And even when I've sort of tried to go into professions that don't require creativity, that hasn't stopped. So I think anyone who is creative will feel the same way. They're just, there's something inside you that makes you want to do that and pursue it.
0: What's the hardest thing for you about being a writer?
1: I think finding time. And I think that's the same for a lot of people, actually carving out the time that you need, not just to sit down and write and the physical act of writing, but giving yourself that time to actually just sit and dream and think and be creative It is very hard to carve out that time into your life.
0: People think you know you might be daydreaming, but actually it's part of your working.
1: You need to work out your stories. You need to process stuff. And it does take time and you need to give yourself that time. And we live in a kind of society where if you're not busy all the time, you're not working 12 hours a day or you're not seen to be working 12 hours a day, then that's sort of thought of as you know you're not doing the right thing you're being lazy or whatever and but you actually do it's really important for you to have that time to to dream have you ever dealt with the inner critic <laughs> i am very well acquainted with the inner critic it's um i've got cocoa on one shoulder and then i have my inner critic on the other shoulder constantly yes yes i think every everyone has that inner critic some of us to a greater extent than others, but I think we all have to deal with it. And what are some of the strategies that you do use to deal with it? I just work through it because if I gave into it, I think I don't think I'd get out of bed in the morning. I just have to work through it and remind myself that there's no other option if I tried to stop being creative that other side of my brain won't stop. So, I just work through it and I just live with it, basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know whether the inner critic can ever be kind of eliminated.
1: No, I don't know. I'd love to actually go into someone else's brain and, you know, particularly someone really successful. Wouldn't it be great to go into J.K. Rowling's brain and see whether she's got an inner critic that's having a go at her or if you know having such immense success has actually silenced it completely it'd be really interesting to know
0: it would i'm sure someone will invent
1: something someday that goes into people's brains yes yeah i think it's called our phones <laughs> <laughs> probably they read our minds they listen to our conversations and know what we're going to do before we know what that we're going to do that is
0: true that is true i think some of our listeners might have forgotten or misplaced their writing dreams because the practicalities of life got in the way. What
1: would you say to them? Just keep doing it. When you do get into the writing community, there's a lot of outside noise saying, you know, you should be writing this many words a day and you should be doing this and you should be doing that and why aren't you? haven't you built your platform and why haven't you done this? And what you have to do is just shut that out and just work on it in your own way and in your own time. Um, And if it means that it takes you a longer time, then that's still better than not doing it at all. Um, So, I mean, it's taken me um, a very, very long time to get published. Um, And that's, I think that's fine. Actually, I think it's okay to spend time and work on your craft and work on, Your voice and all those other things and just shut out all that noise that's shouting at you to be better because you can only do what you can do. So, focus on your writing and what you want to do and what you want to achieve. Um, It's not anyone else's business. Whether you've written zero words today or a thousand, it doesn't matter. It's what you can do in the time that you have I feel like everybody just breathed a sigh of relief after hearing that. I hope so. It just drives me nuts when, you know, you know what I really hate is when people on Facebook written, you know, put a post of how many words they've written. And I just think, (laughs) (laughs) ah! Yes. How does that help anyone? Well, that's the question. That's the question.
0: And how do you know as a writer when to stay with an idea and when to take on someone else's suggestions?
1: What a great question. I think about my book, Supernova, which had so many drafts. And I always think about this one particular draft, which is just completely different to all the other ones. I'm in a writer's group and everyone in the writer's group gave me feedback one evening. And so I went away and completely rewrote it according to that feedback. And I came back and read it to everyone. And I think only one person liked it, everyone else hated it. But that was really important. So, you just go through as many iterations as you can possible until you reach a point where you go, oh, I I can't think what else I need to fix on this. And I would say for me personally, that was with Supernova, that was the point where I handed it over to a very professional mentor um, and had an experienced editor look at it.
0: So... How much of our experience goes into our writing?
1: Oh, that's a good question too. I think all of it. And that's really important too because lots of people will write in, you know, a particular genre or come up with a particular idea. So you see the same ideas over and over again, but it's the way that they're told Um, and everyone tells their stories in their own way. So your experience is really important. And so it's 100% your experience in your last question, we were talking about the editing process. So, you go through it as much as you can and then you hand it over to someone else. And the beautiful part about writing books is that it's not just on your own, that once you do give it to that other person, then their experience um, can add to it as well. The story itself won't go anywhere unless it's your own story. But yeah, actually taking in that input from other people, you do have to think about your reader it's not just what you think it is, it's going to be interpreted by other people as well. So, yeah, it actually it is. Um, it does bring in other people into it, but it can't start until you get it down on the page basically. If you're only just picking up writing
0: again, say, for example, if you're in your 30s and you potentially just had a child and – This is certainly what happened to me after I had my daughter. I started thinking, why am I not writing? I'd spent probably a decade in a corporate role where that was my job and realized that I'd forgotten this dream that I had. So for somebody like me, what would your advice be on making and sticking to a writing
1: habit? Well, that's certainly what happened to me as well, not in the corporate world, but I start I took up my writing again after having um my daughter in my 30s as well. Um and I I'll just tell you what I did. I can't say that it's going to be the same for everyone, but maybe this will be helpful to other people. So I just started feeling my way back into that world. I remember um joining the writers center and started doing more workshops and then from there joined a writers group and and then that became sort of a big part of my life Um, I remember actually hiring babysitters so that I could go to my writers meeting of an evening that's how important it was it was like a lifeline it was this other thing outside of everything in my life two hours to just sit and write and I mean god knows what I wrote it was probably not very good but it was just that having that time to myself that me as a writer not me as mum or me as work or doing the housework or anything like that. It was just for that specific purpose. I should do that now.
0: (laughs) And what role does environment play in supporting your writing?
1: (laughs) Not not very much. (laughs) Um, I think when I, before we we moved house last year, so I actually have a study now, um, which sadly looks like a tip now If I look around. Um, but before then I didn't have my own writing space and so occasionally I would go to a cafe and just escape for an hour or if I had half an hour I'd just go to a cafe and write um, if I could um, or try to get up really early in the morning and just write at the dining table um so I think the environment now still doesn't matter the time was more important than the environment for me but that might not be the same for everyone. I've been known to write in the car. So <laughs> yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. How did it feel
0: launching your first children's picture book?
1: It was it was so exciting. It was this dream come true. Supernova was um my uh, my love book We in our writers group we talk about a story that we've written that is like our love story it's one that we and I don't mean a love story as a love story but it's the love book it's the one that you really put your heart into and you really wanted to see published and so the fact that she got published and I can now look at her um, I've got a little um, poster up on my wall of her and I can just look at her it just means so much it just It's such an amazing feeling. And then after the amazing feeling, then you've got to go out and and sell her, which is is a different proposition. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about that? That's kind of the next, it's the next hurdle. It feels like there's just this never-ending mountain to climb of stuff that is kind of just slightly out of my reach so whereas you know I love the writing and the creative process the business side of it I'm still trying to get my head around and but I think it's one of those things where I'll just have to learn as I go. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for Supernova? Um, Well my, my daughter's called Nova so I I really liked the idea and we named her Nova because of the idea of a supernova because um, we wanted some kind of astronomical kind of name. I found it in a notebook somewhere. I had written something about a, a little girl who's a superhero um, and that was the, the flash of inspiration I had and it became Supernova and then it, it just sort of grew from there but it took a very long time to write. How did her character come to life for you? well she was she was pretty easy cuz my my daughter nova was she was such a little firecracker when she was little she was just really funny and just sort of this little unstoppable toddler so i just wanted this really unstoppable little girl to be this superhero so that's that's where that came about and then the other really important part i felt or the other really important character is the brother the older brother who's who's sort of initially trying to find her out and Bring her down, and you know, sibling rivalry and all of that. Um, and then it was really important to me that he turns himself around and he actually changes, and he ends up supporting her at the end. That's sort of a, a theme close to my heart because, you know, a lot, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of women. Um, Are in terrible situations, and because, you know, because of things like domestic violence and just the society that we live in. And wouldn't it be great if we taught our boys to see girls as superheroes? And that's what ends up happening in that book with her brother. Her older brother sees his little sister not as an annoyance, but as something fabulous, which I think is a really important message. It's a powerful message.
0: And I love it. And my daughter loves the book. It's, Thank it's you. amazing. And I've read Vote for Me, which is quite a different kind <laughs> of book, isn't it? It's very different. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Okay. So, Vote for Me, it is a book that are about preferential voting. So, <laughs> it's a, I call it creative non although it's probably under the non-fiction genre. And it's about an a class that uh, wants some changes to happen. So they go through an election to vote for someone to represent them. A class a class representative is going to make some changes and through that process it explains how preferential voting works. It's not just about the actual process of preferential voting but it's also that larger idea of democracy as well. It's been published by Wild Dog Books and it's been illustrated by Cathy Wilcox. So It's been amazing to work with Marianne Ballantyne from Wild Dog and Kathy Wilcox as well. It's it's an absolute dream come true. My daughter picked out,
0: so I read her vote for me because I thought, you know, the four-year-old is definitely going to understand (laughs) these concepts. I didn't buy it for me at all. It was all for her. Um, She's very advanced. Well, you know, she enjoyed, she loved the um, unicorn onesie character. I'm not going to go into too much detail because everyone who's listening will just need to read for themselves. But it was interesting because we read through this book and then immediately after she picked out Supernova and I thought, oh, we're having a Chris Sacklier themed evening tonight. So
1: um,
0: she's a fan already at four. So there you go.
1: How fabulous. Um,
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome. And I, I mean, I think Vote for Me, you know, that educates adults as well because I think our system of voting can be quite. It's complex. So it's complex. <laughs> it's complex. And there were things in there that I thought, oh, yeah, I forgot about that bit. So do you plan or write and
1: work out the plot from there? I do plan and then things don't go to plan. <laughs> so- but there is a plan. That's my life actually. I plan my life really carefully and then none of it goes to plan. So yeah, I write like I live.
0: And do you write or type first drafts?
1: Oh, I really like to write them. I really like to handwrite them. There's something about how your brain works when you're handwriting. I think maybe and possibly that's because I'm old and when I grew up, I didn't learn typing until I was sort of in high school. So whether that creative process comes through, yeah, through the handwriting, but I really love to handwrite my ideas, but it is quicker just to type it. So if I'm, you know, if I've got a deadline or whatever, it's I just type it.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about where the idea
1: for Vote For Me came from? So, I am an electoral educator, so I do lots of preferential voting elections, and that style of voting is actually really well suited to storytelling because, uh, unlike First Past the Post, where it's immediately apparent who is elected with preferential voting, things can turn around. Um, it can look like someone's about to be elected, but then things can change and it can end up being someone else. So, I've always had it in the back of my mind that this, you know, having a classroom election would make a really great, you know, educational kind of book. And then one of those weird twists in the universe, um, I went to a conference and was sort of trying to escape the crowds. And at the same time, Marianne Ballantyne from Wild Dog Books was also trying to escape the crowds and we sort of got chatting and I had no I didn't really think that she was a publisher I would have sent anything to because I hadn't thought of myself as a non-fiction writer Mm -hmm. and so we were just chatting about other stuff and you know we had a few uh things in common and then at a later date she found out that I was an an electoral educator and it turns out that she had been wanting to have a book published about preferential voting specifically for a really long time. So it was just really strange that we actually met and that was able to happen. And I'm, I'm really thrilled about it because she's such a brilliant publisher. That's
0: amazing how that how the puzzle pieces just click together like that. So Vote for Me was actually launched during the pandemic. So can you tell me a
1: little bit about how you managed that? It's been an interesting experience because with Supernova, I was able to do a big launch and that sort of thing. But with Vote for Me, having Wild Dog Books back it really well, they've hired a publicist who has organized interviews with all sorts of radio stations and newspapers. And my favorite was I got an article in Il Globo, the Italian newspaper. yeah very exciting I couldn't read it but it was I was very excited that it was in there so it's out there people know about it and a friend showed me um so she had sort of posted about it on the there's a podcast that Annabelle Crabbe and Lee Sales do but she had posted it on their Facebook page and people were really excited about it so it, people are really interested in this book and so I'm sort of thinking okay if I don't do a launch it's probably okay because it's getting a lot of attention as it is. Chris, what have you got planned next without giving too much away? So I do have another book in the works, um, which is using the same cast of characters from Vote for Me. I need to get that done pretty soon. (laughs) So that's, that's the next thing. What are three top tips for writers who want to get their stories published? Obviously, having a written... you know, something that you are really happy with that is finished and is ready to be sent out into the world. Having other people look at that, whether it's your writing group or your critique group or hiring a professional editor to look at, I would really strongly recommend having a professional editor look at your work before you send it anywhere. Making sure that you send it to the right publishers as well so really know who the publishers are and what they want and what they're looking for that it's saleable that it's going to fit somewhere that there's a story that comes with a story if you know what I mean so when you're talking about it this isn't just you know so supernova is not just a story about a little girl who's a superhero there's a deeper message behind there about how boys treat girls Mm. and how they view girls so there's you know vote for me isn't just An explanation of preferential voting. It's about the whole idea of democracy and that we have people who represent us so that the things that we want and that we need and the kind of place that we want to live in happens because democracy is about power of the people. So that kind of larger idea that drives it as well. It doesn't have to be a message kind of book, but there needs stories need to speak to the human condition, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, where can we purchase your books and how can we find you?
1: My website is com, and I'm on Facebook as well just under Chris Saclia. The books you can buy from any good booksellers, whether that's online or through your bookshops, but my preference is for actual <laughs> bookshops if you can because it's important to keep our bookshops going. Yeah, so those are the usual places you buy books. Chris, it has been an absolute pleasure having you
0: on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Siobhan. It's been lovely. And that was children's author Chris Sacklier. All the resources are in the show notes. If you like the show, please rate it and leave a review. If you have a question you'd like me to ask an author, please send me a direct message on Instagram at bellthecat.sj. Until next time, sound your bell.